0: you thanks so much for listening to the show this podcast is sponsored by made to move physical therapy and we believe that movement is medicine if you have been dealing with pain that's preventing you from doing what you love and if you're looking for a healthcare provider to help you meet your goals then go to made to move contact us that two is the number two Fill out the form and reference the Healthy Charleston Podcast. Listeners get 10% off their first session. Welcome back, everyone, to the Healthy Charleston Podcast. On today's episode, I talked with Haley Hieronymus, owner and founder of The Naked Pantry, which is South Carolina's first zero-waste shop. It's located here in Charleston, and it's actually the United States' 34th zero-waste shop. So Haley talks all about the why behind zero waste and also what exactly it means to be zero waste and the impact that each person can have when it comes to our environment and sustainability efforts, our impact, you know, negative and positive. She's super open and honest about all of the social media trends of mason jars and zero waste and how they've actually negatively impact impacted the same sustainability efforts and we dive into a ton of horrifying statistics about waste, um, about recycling, or better yet, what's not being recycled. That will definitely shock you. And she gives us practical ways that we can all start to do better and limit our waste. You can get started today shopping at The Naked Pantry. They do deliver. You can find all the info you need at on Instagram, The Naked Pantry Co., and then www.thenakedpantryco.com. Thank you for listening, and enjoy the show. Welcome back, everyone, to the Healthy Charleston Podcast. On today's episode, we are talking all about the Naked Pantry, which was founded November 20th, and it is the only full-service, zero-waste shop in South Carolina. And I'm here with the founder, the owner, Haley Hieronymus. Welcome, Haley.
1: Hey, how are you?
0: I'm great. I'm super excited to hear about the Naked Pantry. Very new concept, obviously, not just for me, but- Apparently for all of South Carolina.
1: (laughs) Yes, yes.
0: Can you tell me a little bit more about The Naked Pantry, and then we'll dive into the story behind it.
1: Um, So The Naked Pantry, again, is is the first full-service zero-waste shop here in South Carolina, Um, and we allow our customers to purchase um, household items, toiletries, and pantry food products by weight um, so that you can purchase as little or as much as you need, um, allowing people to minimize their waste um, and food waste, plastic waste, um, and just really teaching people how to be more sustainable.
0: So, when you say like, because we were talking before, paper towels, things like that. Like, what do you buy instead?
1: So, we have a couple of things. Um, for instance, with paper towels, let's just go with that. Um, we have these Swedish dish towels, which are made of a um absorbent material it's like a sponge material um and they absorb up to a cup of liquid at one time and they're rewatchable they replace up to 17 rolls of paper towels oh my them.
0: gosh <laughs> 17
1: <laughs> 17 and it's one one cloth you can wash them in your dishwasher or in your washer if you want to um, and then we also have um local artisans that we carry and they there's a couple who make um Paper towels for us, like um, unpaper towels is what we call them. So they're hand-sewn cloths. They come on a roll, or you can have them in a folded pack. Um, So we have several options on those things. Same with Ziploc bags. We have reusable freezer bags and um, metal straws and bamboo straws Mm. instead of paper or plastic straws, because nobody likes paper straws. They're not effective. (laughs) Literally
0: drinking out of a paper cup right now, which is awful. (laughs) Because I normally have like my Yeti and I forgot it today. And I was like, I'm so thirsty. And
1: they they disintegrate in your mouth. So if you're like at dinner and you have a cardboard or paper straw, by the time you're done having your wonderful meal, you have paper going in your mouth. It's it's just unpleasant. So I like to carry my metal straws in my purse. Just put one in there and I don't ever have to worry about that situation.
0: Love it. So the concept of like, you know, your business is a little different in that it's not necessarily a brick and mortar, right?
1: It's not a brick and mortar.
0: (laughs) Can you tell me more about that?
1: Yeah. So we are actually inside of a schoolie. Our entire build looks just like a retail shop unless you're on the outside. And then, of course, it looks like a really massive green school bus. (laughs) Um, And so we decided to go with our school bus for a few reasons, but mostly financially. it was the most financial decision decision for us to open it in a school bus, which was not the original plan. I wanted to do a brick and mortar and mortars in Charleston right now are on a really like high rental basis. Um, and I ran into a lot of situations where realtors were like, Oh, we need three years worth of your business income. And I I was new. I don't don't have that. They're like, well, we've been running into a lot of businesses and we've been turning it over a lot. So we're not doing or dealing with new businesses anymore um and so i was like okay maybe i could do a transit van and then i realized really quickly that that was not big enough and i slowly moved you know to like a box truck and i was like there's no access for like people to get on that way or i would have to get out of the truck like the cab to get around and it just seemed really complicated um and so i started looking at just at school bus conversions and while i found a ton of houses and a ton of RV situations. <laughs> yeah, I found one or two businesses, and I was like, "Okay, obviously it's been done, so I can do it." And we just took off running.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it fits so perfectly too. It's like not what you originally planned, but I feel like it really fits into this like sustainable, like recycling things, like a yeah, school it was was probably literally.
1: Went- just a, it's a brand new school bus. We have, we got such an incredible deal. It was just a school district who was using it for special needs. It has like 59,000 miles on it, which if you know anything about school buses, or if you don't, I don't about 500,000 miles.
0: Oh God. Yes. completely different a than
1: a car. And so 59,000 miles is a brand new bus. Um, no rust, which is another thing you really run into with buses. And so we, we got really lucky, but this school district, they were just like, oh, we're upgrading to a new bus. Like, we just don't need it anymore. That's it. And even though it obviously has a ton of life in it, it just doesn't look the part anymore. And so that was really fun. And we have a future of um, working on converting it to vegetable oil, because right now it's on diesel. Um, How? Is that a thing? Yeah, it is a thing. So... Um, it's a really small and simple conversion. It just costs a little bit of money, um, but they do a couple things, and I'm not a mechanic, so I'm not going like I understand completely how it works. They do a couple things with the engine, um, and then I will be able to go to our local restaurants and get their fryer grease and filter it, obviously, um, and then put it in my bus, and gas will cost zero, and it might smell like french fries, but that's amazing. We will have... No gas at all. It'll just You're, be natural oils.
0: Like, how do I not know about? Like, are cars <laughs> running on vegetable oil? And like, I have- I have
1: <laughs> seen some actually that do. Yeah, my my husband actually got in a car accident with a guy. <laughs>
0: He's like, oh, it was, okay. Sorry. It, like
1: like busted up everywhere he's like why vegetable oil it's
0: not like <laughs> french fries for days yeah like forget <laughs> a tesla i want a, a car that runs off french fries
1: yeah and i mean what restaurant is like gonna be like oh no you can't have our oil they have to recycle it a specific way anyways so it, it helps the community on that aspect and it keeps my bus running without the expensive amount of fuel that i have to use now
0: yeah so that answers my next question is that it, it is drivable. You do drive it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So do you have a main location or are you always moving around?
1: Um, I don't have a main location right now. Um, but I am looking for one. So anybody who's listening, um, if they have a place <laughs> and a parking lot that they're willing to rent out or have me pop ups at, I'm always looking for um, places to just sit for the week. Is to find one where I could be at least three days a week. Um, So that there's just like a a centralized location where people know they can find me. Um, But typically, I will do deliveries Monday through Friday um, and pop-ups occasionally if we're having a slow day and then um, events on the weekends. So I'm hoping to fill in a couple days in the the weekday until deliveries get up and moving just to have a centralized location for us because right now we don't have one.
0: Mm -hmm. Is it just like parked at your house? Yes. that great. It is
1: it's really convenient, you know, on days where, you know, we're treating ourselves and we're like doing a delivery or something. I'm like, it's the house. with a really big school bus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it makes it so easy for people to find us.
0: <laughs> I feel like it would do really well in Park Circle.
1: It does. It yeah. does incredible in Park Circle. And in Mount Pleasant is really big. Um, James Island is, is pretty big as well. It, it's a hit or miss depending on what crowd you're with, but um, James but- Island really, really likes us for the most part.
0: Downtown, it's just, like, you got to find where to put it.
1: Yes, and I have not had an event downtown yet, unfortunately, because I really think that the people of downtown are really working. Other businesses are really working towards that. So I feel like it would be a really big thing. Um, but I was suggested recently to do um, an apartment, luxury apartments. Mm-hmm. They have, like, a uh, a program, basically, and they, they – find vendors who sell things like flour or nuts or whatever, and they bring them to the apartment complex as, you know, a amenity for their luxury apartment owners and renters um, so that they don't have to go to the grocery store. And so I did not know that that was a thing. (laughs) I did not know that people had that. I, I didn't know that that was something. So I've been looking into that to see if I could maybe get in touch with somebody. Who does do that? Because I could go down there and really make a, a name and bring sustainable bids to people, you know, at their luxury apartments downtown. Exactly.
0: I feel like it's perfect that you can, you have a mobile business because it's like you want to be able to access so many people. And I feel like there are a lot of communities in Charleston that would really like are very interested in right. this kind of business and this kind of um, like effort. And so like having one spot almost would limit you, where now, like, you can go a lot of different places.
1: I think about that a lot. Everybody asks me often for brick and mortars, um, and I really want to open a brick, don't get me wrong, Um, but I do feel like that would put a big limitation, because where is the centralized spot between people in Somerville who really love this and people in Mount Pleasant in downtown, you know, and how willing are people actually going to be to travel to that location once it is there? And so I, I really thought about that when I did decide to go with the school bus as well. Because not only that, I am really advocating for food desertist areas in South Carolina. And there are so many low-income families who don't have vehicles. There are so many people who have to take Ubers to Walmart. And I can cut that, that extra expense that you couldn't afford in the first place by just bringing it to you. You know, and so I... Um, I really took that into account.
0: Yeah, it's like it solves a lot more problems than you ever even planned on it solving. And like if you had a brick and mortar, like hopefully, you know, we can get to the point where you can have a brick and mortar and you can still have the bus.
1: Oh yeah, the bus is not going anywhere.
0: No, we're keeping the bus.
1: (laughs) The bus is not going anywhere ever. Um, I hope that one day I can open the brick and mortar and just um, maybe not even put the bus on full-time delivery. I think I would keep it for vendor events. But my goal is to get to a point where we could have a warehouse and I could have smaller vehicles like Priuses. We're in, I don't expect to be in a Tesla situation, but, you know, Priuses, something something hybrid that's going to take a lot less energy to move around, you know. Um, and just a lot less bulky, really, because the bus is really hard to get in and out of some places. Um, I amaze people every day at the places that I manage to get into. <laughs> but it would just be so much easier to have multiple people on the ground and we'll be able to do more deliveries. Cause like right now I do one area per day, you know, Monday through Friday. Um, and that's my extent of how far I can go as one person. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but if we had more cars and more people, of course, we'd be able to do deliveries all over the place all, all of the time. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's the main sense of future goal.
0: It's awesome that y'all, like, you're starting this, you're pioneering this in South Carolina. Like, yes. yeah, you know, it's unfortunate that it like, hasn't happened, but it'll be really cool to see, like, how your actions impact South Carolina over the next few years, you know? Like, it'll definitely create a huge ripple domino effect.
1: Yeah, I, I, I am really excited to see, because our sustainability efforts are there, but they're still really minuscule. And, you know, I, I got that question a lot when I first opened. They're like, what about, you know, copycat businesses? And what about other people? And I'm like, I truly and honestly feel like there's enough population of South Carolina that I don't really worry about other businesses. I'm like, I honestly hope that somebody in Greenville opens a business that's like mine, you know, or somebody in Columbia or wherever. I'm like, because they saw me do it. because it only tells me that what I'm doing is working and that other people see that there's a reason why they should be doing it too and so I can only hope that if if nobody else does it that I grow enough to put them all over the state but that uh I also am not not worried about competition because I just don't feel like it is something I should be worried about yeah that the overall mission here is to clean up the state teach people how to be sustainable and really just preserve what we have. I have four children, so it's pretty important that oh, goodness they goodness. grow up and they they have somewhere beautiful to live.
0: Sounds like you have a fur child too.
1: I do. I have two. Well, I, I have, do too. I'm like, I have more than that, but the others are cats. They don't make a lot of noise. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's great. So where did this mission, this vision, like where did it start? When did you start thinking about this and what was the process um, to create it and to build it?
1: Um, so I was pretty, um, ignorant to sustainability. Oh. I was Frederick, please. Frederick. <laughs> <laughs> it was Frederick, you know, like royalty. Um, I was pretty ignorant to sustainability. And of course I knew that like plastic waste was bad and that, you know, a lot of stuff was being recycled, but I didn't know that it was as bad as it is. You know, I was that person who was like, oh, it's got a recycling thing. If I drop it in this bin at this event right here, it's going to be recycled. And then I was watching a documentary. It's called Broken. It's on Netflix. Um, Zero Waste came up and it was, it was really interesting to see, but they were talking about plastic waste and, um, you know, furniture companies that were really unstable and really not sustainable for the environment. Um, And I, I was like a light bulb. (laughs) I was like, oh, wow, I felt so guilty personally. And so I started looking for somewhere where I could change my family's habits. I had nothing to do with the business at that point. I just, I just wanted to do something in my own household because as a family of six, and again, we have several fur animals running around here because they're a lot of waste, you know? And so I was like, okay, I can make an impact at least from my house and we'll just go from there. And then I started looking and I found Whole Foods. Of course, everybody's, you know, tried and true and loved Whole Foods. And I have never been there in my entire life. Never. I always ate really healthy, but it was just not one of those places. I can grow a really low income place and... Creek and Whole Foods was you know uppity and wow. rich people went there. That's that's how I thought about it. And so I was like, okay, they have they have a bin, so I'm gonna go and I'm gonna take my jars and I got my jars and I went and they were closed down because of COVID. They had about four or five jars to go, like you know, pick through. And so I did fill them up, um, but I still ended up spending four hundred fifty dollars wow. on Whole Foods. Oh my god! <laughs> and I still didn't walk out with very much items that didn't have plastic wrapped around them. <clears throat> so I felt like my mission was completely failed. I was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do to make this happen, but it's getting a little ridiculous. What am I going to do? And so I started looking into you know, purchasing online for replacement items, and I couldn't really find anything that was – guaranteed sustainable um i had people who of course they promised that it was sustainable and so I, I ordered some things and i i just couldn't guarantee the quality of them and exactly where they were coming from and so i told my husband i was like i think i'm gonna start a zero waste a zero waste store which is not a new idea it is a very common idea actually just not in the united states really we're, we are the 34th zero waste store in the entire united states And so you see them on every block in the UK. You see them in Austria. You see them in China. You see them everywhere. But you don't see them in the United States. Um, And he immediately was like, I think this is one of the best business ideas you've ever had. Um, Because I've always had an entrepreneurial spirit my entire life. Um, And so I started looking for funding options. And we just went from there.
0: And so when did... When did you watch this documentary versus, like, when, you know, November
1: 26th when you oh. opened? So you I watched there. it in maybe March of 2021, okay. so very, almost a year ago now. But then you um, started
0: in November.
1: Yes, and then I started looking for funding options uh, because, again, like I said, I came from a pretty low-income family, so I don't have the credit to get a loan you know, like a lot of people do, and I definitely don't have the big savings account waiting for this big business idea either, um, and that's where I found South Carolina Loan Fund, and so they have a feeding innovations program, and it is, it's a program where you bring your healthy food opportunities to them. They give you a class. It's 10 weeks long, um, and If you complete it and you win one of their first three prizes, you get five, I think it's five, ten, and thirty thousand dollars. Um, and so I applied with no business plan in mind. And I I went back recently and looked at my application and I was like, Whoa, (laughs) (laughs) how did I even get into this program? Because I did not know as soon as I found it, it had only been maybe you know a week of searching. Um, I was like, I know this is what I want to do, but I have no idea how I'm going to do it. And I got accepted. We had like um, several hundred people who applied and they only pick about 12 to 14 people each time to give, you know, a a really good opportunity. There goes another fur baby, a really good opportunity um, for somebody to win, you know, in our community. Um, And 12 people I think were picked, but only eight of us showed up on the first day.
0: Oh, geez.
1: And then by... Week 10, I created a pretty awesome video pitch that they'd never seen before. Um, they they do a lot of pitches obviously every year. And so I asked them about creativity. Uh I'm a full-time artist, and so I was like, what about like can I do something else? (laughs) Because everybody had that classic slideshow, no hate, but it just wasn't me. They were sitting in front of the slideshow, going through the slides. And I was like, I couldn't imagine being a judge and having to sit through 12 of those. You know, that that just didn't ring to me as exciting. And I was excited and passionate about what I wanted to do. And they said, no, you have free range. Do whatever you want to do for this pitch. And so I put this ridiculously awesome business pitch together. It was a a whole video. Um, And in September... On the twenty-fourth, I won thirty thousand dollars for their first. Hey,
0: wow. Heck yes.
1: So crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's so. still crazy. I'm like, now well, it's now 2022. It's only been a few months now since I opened, but I am still shocked. I'm like, I am so flabbergasted about how I got here so quickly. <laughs> right? Yeah. I feel like it was yesterday and I, and it really was. It was what, 10? Uh, nine months ago, now uh, I had this crazy idea, and here we are. Yeah,
0: I mean, it just shows like how probably desperate we are. Like how how needed it was, and like how innovative. It's one of those things that everyone's like, "Why haven't I thought of that?" Yes,
1: yeah, I think so. I, I do. I think so too. I think that it's not like it's not that anybody hasn't been like, "Oh, I wish we were more sustainable." They're just like well what like that, that makes sense why aren't we doing that and i don't know why we're not doing that But i'm really glad to bring it here
0: yeah like no one's like man i really want to ruin our earth like, i really just want to make this horrible like how can i use as much plastic as possible it's right you know you go somewhere like i shop at trader joe's and like you know based on their marketing and their culture you'd think trader joe's is sustainable like cares about the environment i have no idea but then everything is is wrapped in plastic and you're everything. like everything
1: and you know, Trader Joe's is probably one of the worst that I have seen too. It, it is because, like, if you go in there and you're looking specifically at the produce section, because honestly, most other things that you're looking for are are going to have plastic in them. If you're if you're not being eco conscious about it, you know, and it, it really depends. Also, if you're eating, are you eating a plant based diet? Because if you are, then you have a better chance of getting less plastic items. You know course, if you're buying meat and stuff, getting meat that's not in plastic is literally impossible. Even um, plant-based meat, it comes, you know, in plastic. And so Trader Joe's, no hate guys, <laughs> but they could do so much better, you know, because you do, you see, you think Trader Joe's, just like you think Whole Foods and you think, oh, this is going to be local, organic, sustainable foods. And then you walk into Trader Joe's and the first thing you see is bouquets that are wrapped in plastic and they could be wrapped in paper. You know, you can wrap them in paper. We have local businesses that do it all the time. And then you walk to their produce section and they have, you know, two tomatoes shrink wrapped in plastic. Why? They have single wrapped bell peppers. Like why are your bell peppers wrapped in shrink wrap? It makes no sense. And so I, I've looked at so many stores and it really flabbergasts me to see that. Some of the stores, because of their branding, it's their marketing, that have made us believe that they are the most sustainable option and the healthiest options for our body and our environment are really not.
0: Mm. They really
1: have it all backwards.
0: That's a rabbit hole right there. Yeah, I mean, just like mar- like marketing efforts and advertising in general have made us believe so many things. And just, oh, yes, well, just like you said, like you go to Trader Joe's and you're like. The, the biggest problem I've had with Trader Joe's is like, well, what if I want to buy more asparagus or less asparagus Yes. Than what you've prepackaged for me? But yes. you're right. Everything is packaged. Like these things that have their own shell and mm-hmm. like where you go to Harris Teeter and they're not packaged, Yes. they're packaged at, at Trader Joe's. Dang. That's so one, like where do you get all, where do you get all of your stuff?
1: So all of our stuff, we have um, accounts with um, Grow Food Carolina. And then we have a hub in Atlanta that's very similar who does other things that are like import items because obviously not everything can grow in this general area. Um, But I used them as a way to really cut down the amount of research that it would, would have taken me to really look into every single person that had to produce each product. Um, because I carry almost 300 products on our bus, which is a lot because it is a relatively short bus. <laughs> it's only, what, one, five windows? Five windows. So it's pretty short, actually. Um, so 300 items is a lot. Um, and so we only do USDA organic, and of course all of our South Carolina items are South Carolina organic as well. Um, and then we only buy things that are fair trade um, fair wages, you know, I don't, don't, um, buy anything that not only goes against my sustainability, you know, um, practices and what, what I want for my business and my community, but also I, I would never buy that, take somebody else's human rights away. Um, so that's really important to me. I think that, you know, we get the opportunity here in America to, demand better wages, and if we don't get them, we have the opportunity to go find another job, you know, and not everybody has that opportunity. So I, I really have a lot, of, a lot of key things that I really look for um, when adding new products that aren't, you know, coming directly from the artisan to me. But as far as all of our, you know, toiletry products and household products, um, 98% of those are made by a local artisan here in the Charleston area, and they wow. are handed directly to me you know, we don't even do delivery, shipping, any of that to just save money. One and two, why package it to me if I live twenty minutes from you? <laughs> that, that makes no sense. So yeah, I just pick them up. Um, and we carry we carry a lot of local artists and stuff. And then we're getting ready to release um, a Nika Pantry brand. So I've been working on curating an entire refill station. Um, and it'll have things that we don't currently have like refillable lotions and a lot of people ask me for like plain white vinegar, still soap things to make their own cleaning products. Um, and so we'll have all of those things too. So not only can you get stuff that has been locally curated by me with you know all of the research and all of my, practices that I really stand high to, but also have the ability to take the stuff that you need to make it yourself if you would rather do that. So I'm really excited about that.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. What do you what do you do about meat?
1: I don't sell meat and I also don't eat it very often. Makes sense. So I I have not always been primarily vegan and I say primarily because I am pretty new to like veganism. Um, but I also have endometriosis, um, stage four endometriosis. And so meat is a really big trigger for flare ups for me. Um, and I've known that for a very long time. <laughs> but I really highly suggest that people who are unwilling to live a more plant based life, which is totally fine, no judgment, are local. Cool. There are tons of local butchers here that is the most sustainable thing that you can do is to buy it locally from your own community rather than buying something from the grocery store that's been shipped from God knows where. Mm -hmm. It's been processed God knows how. So I, I have my own beliefs on, you know, things like grass fed and stuff like that. But really if you're going to eat meat and you're like, Nope, sorry, she lost me. I'm not doing it. That's fine. Just buy local. By local then it's the same with produce too really you can be vegan all day long um but any vegan who looks down on somebody who eats meat because they eat meat and it's bad for the environment because every vegan is vegan for different reasons um isn't looking at themselves because that packaged vegan cheese that they got from the grocery store is the same unsustainability as somebody who bought a steak from the grocery store you know um and same with produce. If you're not buying local produce, what are you doing? It's right here in our backyards. It's, it's right next door, you know. And so all of this, that stuff costs money to ship. You know, it costs packaging. And it takes money out of our own community's pockets. If our farmers aren't selling their products to the people who live here, they're forced to either throw them away because they've gone bad or ship them to a big company who does not care about who they are and what they do.
0: Dang. Yeah. I mean, I see, like, I see the potential barriers that of like the convenience and the, I don't want to say laziness. I just want to say convenience of like, well, like I can go to this one place that has everything. And I, I see how you considered those barriers when creating your business. Like, well yeah. now there is one place and now like I can come to you.
1: Well, and that, that was something we really, really thought about. It's not only that, but we have really changed as consumers since COVID started. Oh, yeah. You know, in March of 2020, we were all still going out and buying things at the store. And now we're more dependent on home deliveries more than ever before. I mean, we're talking meal prep services. Like, how many meal prep services have you seen pop up over the last couple of years? They are everywhere. And not just local ones. I mean, corporate ones and big companies, you know. And then we have things like community grocery, you know, but then we have corporate versions of that, you know, and we have Misfits and Imperfect Foods who are sending you boxes of Imperfect Foods. You know, so we are so dependent right now on delivery, whether it is fast food or grocery pickups. And, you know, I, I didn't think that a brick and mortar was going to be the smartest idea for me. I just, not only just centralized location, but now look at where we're at right now. You know, Omicron numbers are going up and people are getting scared again. And so people are going right back to what they've been learning all of these years. And so now it's no contact, you know. He said delivery is like, hey, again, guys, we're not doing any contact again. So we're just going to leave it on your porch and you sign it and put it back, you know. And so I, I really wanted to make sure that not only was I creating a business and the times that we're in with that in mind, But also in a way that I could still be successful and our community could still do all of those things and get in the right direction of sustainability without allowing something crazy like COVID to affect that. You know, Mm -hmm. I it was it was really figuring out what futuristic way and it it sounds crazy because it's just delivery, but it is that you know, businesses that don't give out delivery are the ones that are struggling during covid every time there's a lockdown every time the numbers go up and all of their employees are out they're not offering delivery and they're the ones that are struggling Mm
0: -hmm. yeah delivery and, and virtual
1: oh everything's virtual
0: so you must so you watched this documentary and i'm sure like i know how probably daunting it was to be like i'm gonna change everything but it obviously like made you feel so strongly that you were like, Oh God, I have to change everything. Like what made you feel like there was no other way? And like, give me all the scary statistics that you have.
1: So it was, when I was watching the documentary, it was just learning that only 9% of plastic ever. So I don't quote me, but I want to say it was 1957, um, is when the bottling industry started started moving over to plastic bottles. And it might have been 67, but one of those years. They started moving over to plastic bottles. And what they had before that is really, ironically, the same thing that I'm doing. And so they would deliver your Coca-Cola in glass bottles. And then you would take that Coca-Cola back, drop it off at the factory, and they would recycle those bottles. And you would still get your delivery, and they would clean them and go through the whole process. And it was just this thing over and over again. And then one day somebody was like, oh, I want to know how we can make more money because, yeah, we're recycling these bottles, but we're just not making enough off the soda. It's not enough. So how can we make more off of it? And so they created plastic bottles. And since that moment, only 9% of all plastic waste that we have had has ever been recycled. And in the last decade, we have had more plastic waste than any other time of history. And so that really says something to amount of waste and so i i was really flabbergasted with that and then we like i I saw about fast fashion and i'm totally guilty you know old navy has a sale and i'm like oh i love that like that's cute (laughs) you know you know and now sheen has come out and everybody's buying clothes from there because they're cheap and that is the society that we've gotten to is it's cheap and it's disposable but i didn't ever really think about where those clothes go afterwards or what they're made of you know, and so learning that, you know, there's just more stuff going into the landfill and that there's so many microplastics inside of your clothing. You know, you're literally washing your clothes in your washer that have plastics in them, polyester, and those microplastics are going down your drain into our water system. <laughs> and it's, oh. <laughs> it's crazy to me. And so that was scary in itself, you know. And then watching... Places like IKEA tear down forests illegally. Oh really God! It's scary uh, because again, it's another another company that everybody really loves, you know. Um, and so, in they they always they get caught. And now, like if you go to their website, they have like these different categories of things that are sustainable, but like obviously not everything is sustainable on their website. There's like a promise to be sustainable until 2022, but. I have learned a lot um, while creating this business, and greenwashing is a thing. You know, companies will tell you that they're doing sustainable practices to make you buy from them because you want to consciously do the right thing. But really, they're not doing the right thing. You know, they're lying straight to your face. Just lying? Yes. And, you know, telling me that you have an effort to be fully sustainable by 2022 it's not showing me. You could tell me all day long that you're going to do it, but are you actually going to do it? Um, And so then I started looking at our local community, and I found a local documentary, um, and it was made by a girl named Maggie, um, and she went from Congaree and Columbia all the way to the waterways here in Charleston, and she met with a bunch of people um, who work on the waterways, and The amount of waste and plastic bags and stuff that just is left behind was kind of really surprising to me, actually, because you look at, you know, the marshes when you're coming over the bridges and you're like, oh my gosh, that's so beautiful. And anybody that you bring from out of town, that's the first thing they say is, wow, that's incredibly breathtaking. But if you look down and nobody's looking down, all you see is trash. And so that was pretty shocking. And so I went to our our waste management website and I looked at their annual report. And in 2020, we only recycled 1.45% of 7,000 tons of plastic.
0: Waste. Oh, my God.
1: And so that was really eye-opening to me, too. And, you know, I started really checking into composting and what, what do we offer around here that allows you to recycle? And we only have one, <laughs> one glass recycling company. It's Fisher Recycling in North Carlson. But they're the only place that recycles glass around here. So unless you are close to one of the businesses that work with them, and a lot of breweries work with them because they sell glass bottles, obviously. Um, but unless you're close to North Charleston or you're close to one of those places, you drop it in that blue bin and you think it's being recycled. And it's not, they're not separating it and sending it to Fishers. You know, they're, they're just like, Oh, we can't recycle that here. So we're throwing it away. Mm-hmm. And I was just really shocked to see how that works. And not only that, the, the South Carolina Aquarium puts out a, an annual report as well every year to calculate how many of each piece of you know plastic or cigarette butts, diapers, et etc., that they pick up on their beach cleanups. And I, while I was reading those reports, I learned that the same microplastics that are in our clothing break down in the ocean. And so when a plastic bag hits the ocean, obviously it's really bad because it could suffocate turtles it could get wrapped around fish you know things like that and everybody thinks about that when they get bottles and they have the little um thing that holds them all together you know everybody breaks the little pieces because they're like oh I don't want the turtles to get caught (laughs) you know everybody does it like it's a it's a conscious effort that everybody does but but when that thing still ends up in the ocean it eventually breaks down into microplastics and toxins and so all the little itty bitty fish bottom are eating it and the bigger fish eat it and eventually through bioaccumulation you end up eating it you know you're at that fish restaurant with your local fish but because your water is so polluted now you're eating chemicals and toxins and those same chemicals and toxins cause birth defects in humans and cancers and so that was all really a lot for me to take in so it was it was something that I was like okay I have got to Get out of this rabbit hole <laughs> because it is not—it's not, not going to be anywhere but further down. And realizing that everything that I'm doing in my own household is not working, um, and so I did—I I started working on a thing, you know, a mission to really change things. But I also didn't start throwing out all of my products, and I think that that is a big thing. I was always really good about clean healthcare and stuff like that, you know, and so. I mean, I guess unless you're you're using something that is very obviously toxic chemicals, like I highly don't recommend you using that up because I would never recommend somebody using that um, if they realize there's something bad in it for them. But in my instance, I used up all of the stuff that we already had because when you're going zero waste or even lower waste, I kind of think that the word zero waste is kind of toxic because of the community that is built around it. But it's the most obviously popular term too it's what brings with people so but just lower waste and more sustainable throwing away what you already have is unsustainable
0: so ironic (laughs) like Like, throwing
1: it away to replace it with something more sustainable is unsustainable because you (laughs) didn't even use the product that you bought you know that's even worse yeah yes and so I I always try to encourage people to use what they have first and, and again unless it's something that you realize is really bad for you and then of course you know, don't do that. And also, please don't dump it down the drains because it ends up in our water system. So you
0: mentioned, <laughs> you mentioned zero waste and like the community behind it. First, can you tell me like, what does it mean to be zero waste? And then can you dive in a little bit more of like the kind of the, the toxic community, the bad sides?
1: Yeah, of course. And so being zero waste, I think, is a little different for everybody. Um, and if you ask person to person, they're going to give you a different answer. But to me, it means using less plastic. It is impossible in the day that we live in to use no plastic. Everything has plastic. There's going to be something that you need to have with plastic. So just to use less plastic. And to I use the, the six R's. So I reuse. I reduce. Well, I reduce first. Reuse. I rot things. So composting um, recycling is very last. So anything that you can't, own repairing. So anything that you can't repair, reuse, you know, or rot, you would recycle. Um, but we're the first generation ever to not fix the oven because it's broken.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We're like, Oh, it's broken. Why not call a repair man? We could use a new one anyways. Right, babe. And we throw it out, you know? Um, and so, That's really what it means to me. It's just really reusing and reducing what you have. Like we are such a consumeristic generation that we want to have all the things, and all the things are nice, but all the things don't change how you feel about yourself. All the things do not fill that void, and all the things are not good for you or anybody else. Um, And so that's really what it means to me. But. When I asked, I, I actually did a poll on Instagram and I asked my followers what they thought zero waste meant. And every single one of them said using no plastic at all. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the toxic area of zero waste comes in because we have people like Bea Johnson and don't get me wrong. I love Bea Johnson. She's an incredible human being, but She's one of the biggest people in zero waste, you know, um, in the community. And I find that some of her habits are really toxic, like carrying around this mason jar. And that is a really big thing that I see going on is people in the zero waste community, especially big figures have these mason jars and they're like, Oh, I fit all of my trash for the last four years in just this mason jar. And so then people like me, who are like I can't even get down my trash remotely close to that feel guilty because that's impossible but you know you find through really looking into those kind of things that all of the things are publicity stunts you know but they're really toxic to people who want to be better they're toxic to people who are trying and they're like I don't know how you're doing that I can't do that you know And so I think that the need to feel perfect or the Instagram worthy pantries, like that's crazy. (laughs) Like (laughs) it makes no sense to me why I get like the aesthetically pleasing. I, I do. I get it. I understand. Like, look at the bus. The bus is super aesthetically pleasing, but going out and buying a bunch of brand new jars when there are, tons of jars that you could be reusing like your pickle jars that's what you can reuse those your jam and jelly jars pretty much most condiments really come in glass jars you can reuse every single one of those jars and if you go to goodwill or any of those places they always have tons of jars that have just been thrown away tossed to the side for super cheap and so i think that's a really toxic thing too like if you want to be aesthetically pleasing all power to you do what you have to do But for people who can't afford it, I think they see that and they look at it and they're like looking for jars online, you know? And they're like, I can't afford all the jars I need to put everything in my pantry, you know, in in a glass jar. And I also think that it's, it's interesting how nowadays, outside of the zero waste community, since they have been doing those things, now you have people who are buying stuff in plastic at the grocery store, coming home, and pouring it into a jar for (laughs) aesthetically pleasing purposes, but it, it it doesn't get rid of the fact that you bought it in a big plastic bag whatsoever.
0: It's like, it's, it's still consumerism. Yes. We're seeing this thing on Instagram. We're like, I want that. What do I need to buy to have that so that I can post it on Instagram and show it off? And so then you're like, Okay. Well, I want to help the environment, and then you're like, "Well, I can't do that, so might as well just not change
1: anything." Yes. Yeah, and it's. I think it's it's pretty toxic, honestly. I really do, because there are so many people of all different kinds of backgrounds who who want obviously a really beautiful place for their kids to grow up in, and they want a future, and they want to not consume toxic chemicals when they eat their crab and fish and whatever. And you know, everybody wants a very a nice, healthy place to live, and When people feel like they can't get to that point because of society and how things are marketed to us, whether by corporate or by influencers, you know, based on how we are consumers these days, you know, it makes it impossible in other people's eyes to get to that point. And so there is, there's a lack of effort where people don't want to get to that point because they don't think they can.
0: Hmm. So, What are some of the benefits that people don't usually think about when it comes to being minimal waste, to being zero waste and to just in general, like shopping at the naked pantry?
1: Um, I think personally it is actually kind of a breath of fresh air because we, like I said, I have six people in our house. And so I felt always feel like we have so much clutter, so much stuff. And going zero waste really brings out like the minimalist lifestyle in everybody. And being able to really just reduce how much stuff I'm using, it just makes life so much easier. It's so much cleaner in my house all the time. I can find everything all the time. So that's really awesome. And, you know, I do think that for those that are aesthetically pleasing, it is more aesthetically pleasing. Like all of our little bamboo toothbrushes and stuff, they're so cute. <laughs> they're good for the environment and they're adorable. Really they great. great. Um, I think that people just are scared, you know, and everybody's like, Oh, but I have to have my own jars and I don't have my own jars. But we not only have a donation bin of jars, there's people all over the community who have donated jars for people who can't afford it, or maybe people who just don't have them, or whatever the case. I don't really need to know your story, but if you need one, I have them completely free of charge. I also have them for resale for those who are aesthetically pleasing and they want their jars to match you know, and I have compostable bags. So if you're stopping by on a day and you're like, oh dang, I didn't know you were going to be here. I have compostable bags where you can fill up your stuff, take it home and put it in the jars you do have at home. So I think that that's pretty scary to people is they are like, oh, I have to have my own jars. I've seen people walk past the bus all the time and they're like, oh, I didn't bring my jars. Sorry. (laughs) Like, you don't have to have your jars. You know, I have other options for you. And sometimes I I don't know if it is that they didn't have their doors, or if they don't have jars, you know. And so I think that's pretty scary. And I also think that people think that it's a lot more expensive. Um, and sometimes the upfront cost can be more expensive. And so that's why I say use what you have first. Because if you have a bottle of shampoo and conditioner, you know, and you need to replace that, then you can replace it as you go. You know, if, you're, if you have a sponge that's perfectly good in your kitchen right now, why do you need to replace that with, you know, a scrub brush from my, my shop? You don't until you're ready to do that. And so you don't have to do everything at once. You know, you can always go through to I like to make checklists. So if you go through your house and you're looking at, you know, all of the things that you do as sustainable, what what room in your house is the most unsustainable room in your house? Let's start there.
0: The kitchen, probably, right?
1: I mean it just it depends because right now Everybody's, like, on this really big self-care kick because everybody thinks that self-care only involves shampoo saying? and conditioner <laughs> and body scrubs. And, you know, so some women have, I mean, hundreds of body scrubs. So I guess it just depends on your house, really. But if it is your kitchen, just start there. You know, as you're done with your dish soap, come buy a dish soap bar. As you're done with your sponge, come get it. you know, a bamboo scrub brush, like, there are things that you can do, and in, at in, one room at a time, I think that it's really overwhelming to try to do everything at once, and I am that kind of person. I am a, I need to do this right now, and it needs to be perfect, and if it's not perfect, then it's messed up, and I need to throw it away. <laughs> I'm that kind of person, so changing my own consumerism habits and really like thinking about what I'm using and what I'm not using what I really need I have to start I had to start giving myself like you know seven to 14 days to really think about decisions that I was going to purchase because there are things like that we don't that we don't have that we need in our house but do I really need them you know And so even I got a juicer recently and I was like, do I really need that juicer? And I did for how I eat in my life. I really did. I waited for several weeks before I got one and I was like, okay, I still need the juicer. (laughs) 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 It's still something that I need. And so I think that, I think just evaluating your life really and just like really taking a step back and really making a checklist and just deciding on where it's best for you to start in your house really gets you a foot in the right direction. because. Otherwise, it is kind of overwhelming. It's a little scary.
0: This makes me think about, like, how I feel around Christmas time, which is, like, you just spin, spin, spin. This person needs a gift. Oh, I got you a gift, like, just to get a gift. And here it's in this bag with this tissue paper that was used with this tape and this paper, and it's, like, the junkiest gift in the world because Mm -hmm. you didn't know what to get this person. And I'm, like, I always feel – like, obviously, I love Christmas – But at the end of Christmas, I'm like, I feel like we all just like exchanged paper.
1: Christmas is the worst. And I love Christmas. Okay. It's one of my favorite holidays. I have four kids. So obviously they love Christmas. And that's, there's a lot of things that we didn't change completely this year. Although we did change things like, I didn't use tissue paper and I didn't use tape. We used, you know, bags from like my mom sent gifts that had bags and so i reused the bags that she sent me to put my kids gifts in oh yeah they said he was recycling this year guys (laughs) (laughs) you know i i didn't use tissue paper though we didn't even tape any of their bags closed because what is the point (laughs) i just don't get it and they have so many reusable like actual wraps if that's your thing you know you can reuse them every year but i'm like what is the point you know and we decided like that we we, we didn't even have a Christmas tree last year. But we decided that this year we were going to do a real Christmas tree because I really looked into the sustainability of that. And because people are always like, oh, real Christmas trees are unsustainable because they're tearing down trees, you know? Not, that, that used to make sense to me until so I really started looking into it. And I was like, oh, actually, they're growing trees, though, specifically for this purpose. Yeah. They're compostable. You can break them down into fire starters. Like ours right now is in our backyard, and birds are using it for the wintertime. To sleep in. And so when summertime comes around, we'll break it down and put it in, you know, whatever we, we do for compost. So, you know, it, not only that, but they can be recycled, they can be, you know, gathered. And it would take you 20 years in one plastic tree to actually meet the sustainability of one real tree. And they're not even built to last 20 years anymore. They used to, they used to last forever. But fig trees don't last that long anymore.
0: Well, if they lasted too long, then you wouldn't have to buy another one. And that just.
1: Exactly. Matter. And they wouldn't be making as much money as they are on everybody. And so, yeah, that's. <sighs> Christmas is a rough one because I think it was 2019, we had 8 billion pounds of unwanted gift trash alone. No. Yes, gifts that just got thrown away. And so I, I posted a lot about it this year. I'm like, just. Try to give gifts that are meaningful you know or purposeful like i made a ton of gift bags of things that were purposeful for people there was not a single house that they were going to go to that people weren't going to be able to use them you know like just really thinking about what you're gifting especially with things like valentine's day coming up
0: yeah all the plastic (laughs) parts the
1: consumerism of valentine's day really like it's
0: the root i mean you know, you could get super, like, cynical. Like, the root of all problems is, like, consumerism. Is
1: It is. It's the, exact- the root of all problems is consumerism. It's the marketing. It's the need to fill the void of people who are feeling outside of themselves, who don't know who they are, people who want to feel wanted or included. You know, it's a it's, it's whole inclusivity movement that really people want to be a part of something. So when marketing takes effect to people who have grown up, especially the newer generation, grown up only on social media, because I mean, social media was still coming in even when I was a kid and I'm 28. And so, you know, I still had the ability to make friends in person and I still live with those same, you know, characteristics. The kids who've been growing up on social media, like, they don't have those abilities anymore. And so the consumerism is only getting worse. You know, people want to feel included. and want to be a part of something and they want to be cool. And with all the influencer, you know, things, everyone wants to be an influencer nowadays and for all the wrong reasons. And so when somebody doesn't have those abilities to make those real life connections and they don't know who they are, and they're really looking they will buy anything that you ask them to buy because they want to feel included and it doesn't matter if they're ever going to wear it or if they're ever going to care about it it'll go straight in the trash when they're over it you know and that's just how we live Uh, you buy it it. you use it once or twice it goes in the trash or you buy it and it sits on the shelf and it never gets used and we're all guilty of it we have all bought a purchase that we think that we're gonna use, or we're like, oh, that's really cute on the rack, and then it sits in our closet because really, we really hated it, and we just bought it. It's,
0: yeah, it's bad. All of the kids growing up virtually
1: now yes. too,
0: and within Instagram, so I mean, there's so many advertisements in Instagram that you don't even realize they're advertisements until you're now purchasing this product, and you're like, yes. oh wait, I was totally just targeted. You mentioned yeah. before, like uh, you know, around the UK and in Europe, there's zero waste shops everywhere. Why are we so behind?
1: Um, I don't know. I, I think that it is a big divide politically, and I, I'm not willing to really get too far into politics. But it's it's really ironic to me because conserving our planet is really where being conservative came from. It was conserving life. It was conserving the planet. It was conserving religion. It was, it was conserving everything that was traditional and everything that was important. And now the tables have turned. And so there's this huge divide about, you know, climate change and, you know, being sustainable. And if, if all of these things are real or if they're all politically motivated. And so I think that that causes a lot of controversy on what you should be doing and what you shouldn't be doing. And it's really sad because really, I think that no matter what you believe in and who you are, that we should all be trying to conserve what we're doing and how we're, you know, consuming. But I think money is the root of all of it. I think that if people become more minimalist, if people become more sustainable and start caring about what they're putting into their bodies and what they're putting on their children's bodies and consuming and doing and all the things that affect, you know, everything you do every day then big box stores and corporations are going to take and we can't have that so i think that it's i think it's a politically motivated thing i think that the same way that the bottle industry became what it is is the same reason why people are consumers and the same reason why nobody is pushing for more sustainable practices and the only time you see a big company push for sustainability is When they get called out, you know, and enough influencers are like, oh, they said this and that, but really, you know, this whole group of people in Beijing is the one that are getting paid five cents to make their their shoes, you know? And so now they're like, oh, I I feel bad. So I'm going to put something on my website because I don't want us to go under because of the sustainability movement. And I'm going to say that we're being more sustainable or we're going to make one pair of shoes in this line, recycled materials. And so, the it's just not enough. It's not it's not pushing people enough, and people are too scared to take on places like the big box store.
0: Well, and it's still all about money. It's still yes. like it's become like we have politicized climate change and sustainability, so that now if if you're on one side or the other, you're like, oh well, I don't support that. When it's like, wait, like who gives a shit what the people in Washington are saying?
1: You yes, can't. I think that's a. I think that's a big thing, too, is because I spent my whole life, so my my parents, and, you know, again, like, politics are what they are, but my parents were pretty liberal, you know, my whole life, and I never felt like I fitted with them, you know, so when I grew up, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm pretty conservative, but then, like I said, things started shifting, and things started getting split up really crazy, and, you know, I, now, I'm like, can I just be my own person? Yeah. (laughs) Can I just be independent? And I really feel like there's more people who are independent in what they believe. Yes. (laughs) I was not expecting that. (laughs) But I feel like there are, you know, people who are more independent, but they, again, have been, their whole life, they've been chosen, hey, are you this or are you that? You, you're either one or you're the other and you can't be both and you can't be in the middle. And I call bullshit. Mm-hmm. I think that's crazy. I, I don't know why you can't have multiple beliefs and really not care about what the people in Washington are saying.
0: Cause it's not sexy and it's not easy to, to market and it doesn't, it doesn't separate people either.
1: Well, and I think that not only that, I, I think that's completely true. Is then we don't have a, a separate market but how do you run elections when the majority says that they're all independent and there aren't democrats versus republicans you know and so it it makes it really really hard to really overcome the bump of sustainability because you have to change people's minds who are on one side of the party lines who have been told that it's fake and then you have to calm down the other side who is like way too extreme frederick please i'm almost done (laughs) then you have to come you know the other side who's way too extreme and over the top which makes the other people uncomfortable you have to get them to come down a couple notches Mm -hmm. you know to educate people rather than throw it down their throats and tell them why they're wrong because that doesn't make anybody want to change
0: it never works
1: no no and so finding finding the happy medium is, is a huge huge bump in starting this business and really things that I have to overcome because I, I mean, I, I've seen it firsthand. Yes, Abby I don't know, baby. you're going to have to find it. Can you give me one second? You have to look for it. She must've woke up. <laughs> but, um, I seen it firsthand. You know, I, I did a vendor event and I had People would come on my bus, and they would walk off and be like, "Wow, this is freaking lame! Don't go in there!" In a crowd of people outside, wow. and not only is that super like gut wrenching to me, I was I was really like pissed. Like, why would you do that? Like, just because you don't understand. And this person or people, I will say, because there was a few, they didn't even ask me about what it was. They didn't ask me why I was doing it what was inside the store, they like walked up on the stairs, looked at it, was like, don't go in here. Ew. Like,
0: <laughs> and so, so, No matter what you're doing, it's just like, you're just being a rude, bad person at that point.
1: Yeah. And I don't know anybody who has been able to walk into the bus and just look at it and not know what's going on and, and turn around and say something that rude and condescending anyways, because I personally, maybe I'm biased, but everybody who has who's seen it has told me that it's beautiful so how do you walk in there and not know what's going on and turn around and say something so rude and condescending about somebody's business into a crowd of people outside of it you know and so it's been a challenge really not only getting people to come inside and listen to what I have to say but really understanding like why they should be doing it and what affects you know their normal day-to-day habits are having or why you know a five pack of silicone reusable freezer bags are 30 bucks when they could get two dollars ziploc bags you know because
0: you never yeah. have to buy them again
1: ever. exactly you, you get to reuse them over and over and over and over and yes of course eventually eventually the life of a lot of things dies and you have to replace it but when you have to replace it it's not going to sit in the landfill most of them could be composted or they could be turned into fire starters or you know what i mean like there's a ton of other things, especially in South Carolina. Everybody loves a big bonfire around here. So, <laughs> you know, anything you could turn into a fire starter is key. So I just, it's not going to sit in the landfill. So even when you do have to replace it, there is still a sustainable way to, to dispose of it. And I think that's where people get lost, is they, they just don't understand. And, you know, even the statistics that we were talking about earlier, Nobody knows that South Carolina only recycled 1.45% of their plastic in 2020 and that we had seven tons of it. Like, nobody knows that those are the statistics and they're there, but the waste management team isn't going to be like, announcement guys, this is what we did this year and uh, we know we let y'all down, but <laughs> nope, but they're going to hide it in their annual report and hope that you don't look it up.
0: <laughs> no, they're just going to put your blue bin at your house and charge you for it, even though they don't do anything with it.
1: Exactly. And I, I think that's a big thing, too, is I, I've been really looking at, like, posting some classes about how to compost at home and how to recycle, you know, things that are, are really sustainable, because I think that would help in our community. I think that's a great idea. They don't tell you how to recycle. They give you this blue bin. they charge you $30 of whatever it is, you know, we don't even have one in Goose Creek actually, but they they charge you whatever it is, and then you put it in there thinking that you're doing a good thing, but nobody tells you that you have to watch out all of your containers. Nobody tells you not to put them in a trash bag, because if you put them in a trash bag, they're going to the trash, not to the recycling center. You know, nobody tells you that, you know, certain types of plastic numbers can't be recycled. You know, on the back of everything that can be recycled, there's a little recycling thing, and inside of it is a number. And certain types of plastics can't be recycled again. They are one use, literally. That's it. One use, and they go straight to the landfill. And even if they are recyclable, even if you are recycling them, the life of plastic is minimal. You can only recycle plastic once or twice before the quality of it is nothing. And if you've ever held a recycled plastic bottle in your hand, like a water bottle, the difference between a bottle that has never been recycled and a plastic recycled bottle. You can tell the integrity of the bottle has reduced dramatically. It's very easy to crush. Every time you, you know, hold it, it's like bending in on you. And so eventually the life of plastic ends too, you know, and then it goes to the landfill. So ultimately, no matter whether it's being recycled or not, the end game is the same.
0: Yeah, I think people but, see the first solution as recycling. Instead it's the of last. Being the last. <laughs> yes. So with the Naked Pantry, like, how does it work? How can someone get started today?
1: Um, so today specifically, you could go to my website, and I'm actually hosting free delivery um, for the rest of the week. And so you can go to my website. I have a whole shop now tab, um, and you can pick out all of the things that you would like. If you have your own jars, you are able to put them outside of your house and I will swing by and grab them and fill them up for you. If you prefer that I don't, for whatever reason, touch your drawers or fill them up, and you would rather compost compostable bags, I could put everything except for liquids in those and drop them off to you. But if you choose that option and you have a liquid that you choose, say laundry soap or olive oil, then it's made you purchase one of my containers to put them in. Um, unless, of course, you get one from the donation bin. Um, But yeah, it's it's just a really easy process. You just go to the website, pick everything that you need. If you have any questions, literally I'm on call all the time. People message me all the time, silly questions. Um, And I'm pretty quick to respond. I just stay home with my baby when I'm not busy working or doing art. (laughs) And so um, I can be reached at the Naked Pantry Co. on Instagram or Facebook. um, Or on my website, I have my email and phone number. Everybody is welcome to email me or text me. Um, if you're going to call me, text me first <laughs> <laughs> because I don't answer numbers. I don't know, Yeah, exactly. uh, but I have had plenty of customers who have been super, super excited to talk and they wanted to actually talk, just talk. And so I, I will always answer questions, anything that you have to say or ask, Hey, don't tell me to shush girl. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, go play. I'll be there in just a second.
0: Where can we find the school bus soon?
1: So my next um, event actually isn't until February 8th at this point, okay. Okay. Um, but it is a very exciting one. Um, I will be in Park Circle at, I think it's called the Common, common oh. Works Ale House. Ale House. Common Works Ale House is what it's called, Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. I'm like, that's what it's called, right? It's a I lot of words.
0: <laughs> I call it Common House, but I think I'm wrong. No, it's, I don't know now that you mention it. I mean, I live like super close to there. Um. It's
1: either Common... Is Common, it Common House, House Ale or works? works? or it's Common Works Ale House. I don't know. But <laughs> don't know. either way. <laughs> I don't know. I Listen, I live in Goose Creek. I don't even live that far away. It's, and House. I,
0: it's Common House Aleworks. Just look it
1: that. Okay, that's, okay, that's what you hear, I thought. Okay. Here so,
0: first. So that's I will be works.
1: there. See, I don't even know where I'm going to be, apparently. I will be there on February 8th from 5 to 7. Um, I'm doing a debut with the Sustainability Institute of Charleston to launch um, Charleston Green Dreams, which is really cool. Um, I'm really excited, but that will give people a more one-on-one opportunity. So people who come um, to this launch will have an opportunity to ask me questions personally, which isn't something that really gets to happen on day-to-day um, trips and like events. Usually I'm really, really busy at events. Um, which kind of sucks cause I don't get to see like, you know, my other vendor friends and business buddies <laughs> and see what they're doing. But so I'm really, really humbled and like grateful about, you know, being that busy, but I don't have the opportunity to be one-on-one with people and really expect and things to them. So that's a really good one for people to come to, especially if they're curious about things that I do or things that I carry. And then also on February 11th, is it 11th? Maybe it's 13th. Let me look. Let me not lie. Hold on. <clears throat> we're not, we're not in February yet. So, you know, I'm behind here. Mm-hmm. Feminist magic market. I will be at the Galantine's market. Ooh. So, oh, the 12th. So see, I'm like walking all around it. So. The 12th from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m., I will be in Park Circle across from the Itinerant Literate Bookstore um, doing a Feminist Magic Valentine's Day market, which is a super awesome market. And if you haven't been, there are a ton of really awesome indie like female businesses. I mean, you find everything you could possibly want to gift your significant other at (laughs) these markets, And they're all local. They're mostly all handmade. Um, And so I think it's a really good opportunity before Valentine's Day to kind of skip the, you know, marketing of, say, Walmart or Target or wherever and all the really cheesy gifts that everybody gets every single year and buy something unique and creative and support the community while you're doing it. Yeah, okay. so that's a really awesome place to be. Um, and so, yeah, those are my next two markets for now. Um, but as I grab other markets and as things calm down, because everything that I had booked this month was canceled due to Omicron numbers, supposedly going up um, around this time of the month, we're supposed to hit like the peak of it. Um, and so people were worried. And so we started rescheduling things or canceling things. And as I start adding more, you'll be able to see them on my Instagram and on my website um, and they update every week on my Instagram. So the week before you'll see my next week's schedule of everywhere that I'll be. Um, and I hope that soon we'll be back on schedule for that. Um, but that's why also why I'm running free delivery is because I know it's been tough on everybody. Um, January has started a very slow 2020 for most business owners in Carlson. And so I hope you help me.
0: <laughs> exactly. Love it. Thank you, Haley. This has been awesome. And thank you for everything that you're doing in our yeah, community and also in South
1: Carolina in general yeah it's, it's really an honor to just you know be the first to open something this big and uh, I can't wait to really see how it goes and see what it brings and what other businesses pop up because of it it's going to be pretty cool yeah it's
0: awesome thank you thank you everyone for listening thank you so much for joining us everyone we hope you enjoyed this episode Head on over to Instagram, find us at Healthy Charleston, leave us a review on iTunes. If you ever have any topics you want us to talk about or guests you want to bring on, feel free to DM us. Otherwise, thanks again.